Welcome to Arbor's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. Do I have free will in choosing guests for my show? That's the micro and self-centered question that I pose, but the macro question for everybody to ponder is, do we have free will in our society and in our world? My guest today has a passion for the subject. He is David Lawrence, author of Are We Really Biochemical Robots? Sam Harris's Crusade Against Free Will, available on Amazon with a workbook and a new edition of the book coming up shortly as well. For everything about David Lawrence, go to biochemicalrobots.com and you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram. And David, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Ira. How do you define free will and how do you define determinism? I define free will pretty much like common sense does. The ability to choose affect reality, make a difference in the world, exercise prerogatives, pretty much what common sense says. Well, you have an interesting background. You have a legal background. You're a former lawyer with about 30 plus years of experience. You have a philosophy degree from UCLA. How did you get interested in the subject of free will? Was it reading the book by Sam or how did that whole thing start for you? Exactly. That's how it started. I, I had just retired. I picked up Sam's book. I was familiar with him as an author. I liked his other books, pretty much felt I was compatible in a general sense with his framework of reality. And I started reading this one and said, wait a second, this is a totally different situation. I didn't agree with it. I didn't understand the arguments. I didn't think they were coherent, but I didn't know enough about the subject to be sure. So it's a little bit tentative. So that got me to embark on a period where I researched free will. Is Sam really right about this? Is there something I'm missing? And so I did a lot of research and uh, found out that he's not the least bit right about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just uh, out of curiosity, David, did you contact Sam and and want to discuss it with him? No, I didn't. Uh, I, I felt that I was a nobody. He had a name. I have no credentials in this area other than a a long time ago degree. And I I wanted to make sure that I understood enough about the subject to be credible. And then I wrote it. And so I recently finished writing it. And um, I I figured if he'll he'll contact me if he's interested or if it comes (laughs) on his radar. Yeah, but I would think if you felt that strongly about it, that you A, you researched it, and B, you wrote a book about it and now a workbook as well that you would want to engage with him because he's the one that sent you down this path. Yeah, and I may. I guess my concern was, let me get it out there a little bit, right? Let me put it out. Let me get a sense of the reception and and then go to him. If I'm going to go to him, I thought I'd do it that way. Interesting. Okay. So your free will told you to do it this way rather than the way I would do it. <laughs> yes. Assume, assuming I, I'm right and I have free will, that's exactly right. <laughs> well, it's kind of scary when you think about it that there is a large group of people that seem to think that there is no free will because, as you said in your book and in other places, that you know, if everybody's the same, how do you def- how do you determine that this person is different from that person? How do you get totally different kinds of people in society. Well, let me take a second and define determinism. Sure. You asked me up front to define both, and I, I went to free will, of course, immediately. So determinism is basically the opposite, as you would expect. All of our thoughts and all of our actions 
are due to a causal chain, a chain of physical causes that goes back to the Big Bang. So the Big Bang happens and the universe essentially becomes mechanical. Everything that happens thereafter is foredained at the moment of the Big Bang. And what we think is due to that causal chain that includes the neurons in our brains and all of the subatomic particles zooming around the universe. We don't originate our own thoughts. We think what we're told to think by the causal chain. We don't originate our actions. Our actions are due to this long chain of causes of physical events going back to the Big Bang. So we don't think, we don't act, and in a sense, we're not even passive bystanders to all of this because that experience of even being passive bystanders is generated by causal sources. So that's basically determinism, and it, it, it's the ultimate disempowerment. I mean, we're victims to causation, so to speak. If we are victims to causation, then I lacked all free will in having you on the show as a guest. Sam Harris would say that, as with all card-carrying determinists. Well, I don't believe in carrying cards, so I'm out of that, that gene pool. But here's the thing that well, gets me... Well, you, but you were determined not to believe that. <laughs> yeah, <just> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the thing that I don't get, is that yeah. if, you, if everybody's determined, if it's all determined ahead of time... First of all, it's a theory. I'm a semi-practical person, so... To me, a theory is a theory until it's proven to be actual reality. So what is the reality behind determinism, and what is the reality behind free will? Well, let's take determinism first. I think the reason so many people, so many smart, educated people, by the way, are, are determinists is due to a couple reasons, maybe three reasons. Number one, science. Science is based on a mechanical universe, a deterministic model. Now, I'm putting aside for a second quantum physics and sort of the new stuff, but traditional science is based on a mechanical universe. Newtonian science, as they sometimes call it classical science from the 1700s, it's a mechanical universe, and that's how it works. And when you're a scientist, you study causes and effects and the relationships between physical things. So the, so the first reason, I think, has to do with a scientific orientation. The second reason, which is very related to the first, is, is we think, human beings think sort of in models or archetypes, right? And once you have a worldview based on an archetype, whether it's scientific or otherwise, that's sort of the lens where you look out on the world. So you become a scientist or you study science. And then everything is a cog in a machine. It's just a lens that you view things. Another reason, maybe it's the most important, is, you know, humans cling to things. We get invested in things. So now we got the lens, right? And the lens bases on the mechanical scientific outlook. Well, now it's like we're cheering for a football team. We get invested in the things we believe. And we feel like, in some sense, that... Our identity gets wrapped up in these. So the archetype doesn't just become a theory about, as you said, about the world. You're invested in it. It's like your football team. So you're rooting and, and your identity is hooked into that archetype. You defend it. You believe in it. And that's just what human beings are. So I think it's some combination of those three things. I would think, though, that society is what causes 
humans or citizens or subjects or slaves, depending on what society you grew up in, to think a certain way. And you could look at it both ways. Determinism is just propaganda from established authorities and the culture. And then the same thing as free will would be the -hmm. culture and what you're being told by people in charge. For as an example, it could very well be the church in one case, the state in another, or other entities along the way. Yeah, I think that's that's a very good point. We have two very opposite, at least two, archetypes going on. And one is a free will model, and it's our everyday model, and us our democratic model. And then we and our economic model, our capitalist model, is about initiative, individual initiative. And then we have this sort of scientific machine, robotic, here's how the universe really works kind of a model when it comes down to it. And those are both currents. And you're right, those currents are reflected in various different ways, depending on the institution or the, the group of people, the right. upbringing, the and culture. It, and that's, I guess, my case is that both are constructs. They may not, both of them may not be reality. Yes, it's possible that there's something, an entirely different way of looking at things that one day we'll, we'll realize. And it may ironically come from science. Science may ultimately, and I think it's more than halfway there, say something else is going on in the universe, everybody. And guess what? It's not causation, and it's not mechanical, and it's not machine-like. And now, quantum science is already there. But to relate it more broadly to a reality that encompasses free will or is moves past that kind of dichotomy, the absolute dichotomy between it's either a choice of causation or free will, another model may come along and say that dichotomy is not the way to look at reality. In the case between free will and determinism, free will, in a sense, puts the responsibility on the individual human being. Yeah. Determinism says we're all programmed, so therefore don't even bother exercising what is called free will. It would seem to me that of those two, one mm-hmm. is more freedom-oriented and the other one is more just follow the marching orders based on our so-called quote-unquote settled science, which of course, true science is never settled. You go back centuries, you see how science always evolves. You would think that determinists would argue exactly what you said. Why bother exercising free will? But they have a real problem. And and that leads to a lot of fancy dancing around this problem. If you're in a determined world, if we're really biochemical robots, if every thought and every action is derived from mechanical effects, you don't have morality and you don't have responsibility. Now, nobody no matter how diehard of a determinist you are, wants to spread the word that we have no responsibility to do whatever we want, because after all, we're predestined to do it anyway. And there's no morality because the thoughts in our head are given to us by causal forces. So who knows? They're not moral principles. They're just what we're caused to believe. No determinist wants to admit that the consequences of determinism is no responsibility, no morality. Period. End of story. Well, that would end up being anarchy, wouldn't it? Yes, it would be. It would be absolutely. It, it doesn't even make sense. What it would be is what you said before, Father, as in free will. So, 
Determinists have this problem. They cannot justify the existence of morality. They cannot justify the existence of personal responsibility. So what do they do? They don't admit what you said, anarchy, or why the heck do it. They do a lot of fancy dancing. And their fancy dancing is schizophrenic. Because on the one hand, we're robots. And everything we think and everything we do is mechanical. And it all goes bang and we don't have a choice. On the other hand, because they don't want to say that, they jump right into advocating personal responsibility and morality, completely contradictory to determinist principles. Interesting. But here's the thing. each If you look at the world, each country, each society within a country, and sometimes more subcultures within a society in a particular country are all different. So how do you explain that with determinism if everybody is pre-programmed to be a certain way? Well, if you're a determinist, you would say, look, that's how the molecules and the subatomic activity turned out. Some of them migrated to this geographic area and adopted this set of beliefs. But the difference is in the matter of the manifestations of these causes. And it's all mechanical. Whether you're in the West or the East, you're religious, you're not religious, that's explained simply by different patterns of causation, all of which were released at the Big Bang. Well, here's the thing I'm still failing to grasp, and I know you're the man to answer the question, and that is, if Sam Harris is writing this book about the lack of free will, from what perspective is he coming from other than using science and the scientific method to explain something, which is a theory, and yet if there's contradictory information, as you indicated a moment ago, where you do a little fancy dancing to explain certain things, what is in it for people that are believers in determinism versus free will? They don't really believe in determinism 24 hours. They believe in determinism when they think about it and talk intellectually, and the rest of the 23 and three quarters hours of their day, they're a free will advocate, and they go about making decision after decision from the moment they get up. What are they going to have for breakfast? Should they wear the green tie or the blue tie, et cetera, et cetera, to the moment they go to sleep? In the morality area, the fancy dancing takes this form, and I, I, I quote it. This is a famous biologist, famous physicist, no names, uh, says, you know, everything in our brain has been already determined seven to ten seconds before we're going to say it. And everything we say is mechanically caused by those uh, circuits, seven to ten seconds. Oh, by the way, now, we have developed over the course of time the power of self-control. So we can control ourselves. Now, in a split second, they've gone from being a determinist to a free will advocate. Because if you're a determinist and you're a machine, what does it mean to say you have self-control? It means nothing. Nothing. There's no such thing in a causal universe. There's another guy who says, uh, he's the biologist, who says, we have to be determinists. Everything is determined by these neurological impulses in our brain. And they're caused by another neurological impulse in our brain, and we can trace them back. And there's always a cause before the final neural impulse. And then two minutes later, he says, now, you know, that doesn't mean we should let murderers run around free on the streets. 
if you have a car and it's broken, you take it off the road or they fix it. Now, what that means is he's gone from being a determinist to a free will advocate. Well, then what, so what's the point of then being a determinist if you're making these exceptions? I mean, in other words, why stick to that one theory? Well, they don't consider them exceptions. They are simply what I call in the book, having it both ways. I have a chapter called Having It Both Ways. And the reason, again, is because they don't want to admit the consequences of determinism is that there's no personal responsibility or morality. So the guy who says, well, we got to take murderers off the street. Well, who exactly is going to take them off the street? Everything we do is caused by forces that go back to the big day. Who's going to think about who we should take off the street? Our thoughts are determined. We don't think our thoughts. So who exactly is going to do this? So he immediately lapses into a free will vocabulary. But here's the thing, Ira, and this is what I think you're asking. They don't go back and forth in the theories because they don't recognize that they're speaking a contradiction. They're speaking out of both sides of their mouth in order to preserve responsibility and reality. And there's no way it can be preserved. So they don't want to admit that they're being a free will advocate when they talk about let's fix the car, let's take murders off the street, um, let's have self-control. All of a sudden, they're free will advocates. They don't admit that. They want to stay determinists and eat their cake. Okay, but, so well, but why? They say they're determinists, but right. every discussion about morality, they become a free will advocate. Well, maybe a broader question is why are they determined to be determinists? I think that goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. I think the scientific outlook has a huge influence. I think that human beings think in terms of archetypes and models and paradigms. And I think that human beings become invested in these things over time and root for their paradigm like it's a football team. It's interesting. You also say morality is a thorn in their side. It, because it's hard to explain. And you talked about without free will, Mother Teresa and Charlie Manson are essentially the same. Sure. Right? They're, they're, they're caused to be what they are by these impersonal, unthinking causal forces. One was caused to do this kind of behavior. The other one was caused to do that kind of behavior. It had nothing to do with them. It had nothing to do with Mother Teresa. She didn't choose to be you know, a wonderful, saintly person. And Manson didn't choose, if you're a determinist, didn't choose to be, you know, an evil wrongdoer. It's just the cards that they were dealt by impersonal forces they had nothing to do with. Is there a halfway point between you and the determinist? Is there a middle ground? Or do you think that there will always be these two different sides? There's nominally a middle ground called compatibilism. And I don't believe it makes sense. Harris doesn't believe it makes sense. And it's almost not worth talking about. The short version of it is that they redefine free will to take out the free will. And then somehow <laughs> it becomes, yeah, they leave out the free will. <laughs> they, leave out, they leave out the potato from the potato soup and then they say, well, it's a broccoli soup. Right. So that's not worth talking about. But but there are ideas that I've had, some people have had, and I say I've had, I don't mean in any super original sense, where there's sort of a parallel track going on, where one is a reflection of the other, but it's almost like two sides of a different prism. So free will is free will, machinery is machinery. But as we talked about in the beginning, there may be a way to put those two th things together. 
One example of this was Bertrand Russell had a really good thought experiment. He said, go back to the beginning. I'm paraphrasing very loosely. He said, go back to the first consciousness, okay? You have this event in consciousness on track one. You have this physical event in the neurons in the brain, track two. Now, run those tracks forward to now. You've got billions on track one, right, which is what consciousness is experiencing. And you have billions of events on track two, physical, causal-oriented, robotic, mechanical effects. Okay. He says, now, how can you say which causes which? If they're running, and you always see this with that. You always see that with this. How are you going to say, and what, in what sense of the words does it mean to say that track at that time caused this thing on this track and vice versa? They're just running on. Well, to take that point one step further, there is a, an old slogan or an old saying, a conservative is a liberal who's been mugged. <laughs> so the question is, do some of the people who espouse determinism, when they come up against some of the arguments that you make, such as the one we just talked about, Mother Teresa and Charlie Manson and others, do they get some insight and maybe accept some of your viewpoint, or is it just a, is it rigid and it's not going to happen? Determinists like Sam Harris and like most of the other media pundits who are conservatives, and it is most of them, it's a bright line and they're determinists and free will is an illusion. It's a fiction. It's incoherent, says Harris. Though it turns out that determinism is quite incoherent on another, a number of fronts. So for them, it's a bright line, and it's one or the other. Can you see it from both ways? I just talked about them perhaps seeing certain elements and saying, oh, maybe I need to revise my, my theory a little bit here. Do you see it? How about on from your side? Do you see some things on the deterministic side that makes you want to change slightly or modify your theory? Well, we don't know very well the interplay between consciousness and physical events and that connection that relationship or that lack of connection depending on how you look at it is the key to it flows from the physical from spiritual people or from free will people uh, which isn't necessarily the same thing it flows in both directions consciousness causes things via intentions and phys physical events cause things via Newton's laws and so forth. Where it starts to break down is quantum physics, because quantum physics came along and said, wait a second, the Newtonian universe doesn't work. Its equations don't predict reality like quantum probable equations, so the universe isn't obeying causal law. Now, you got to be careful here because there's various interpretations of quantum physics, and some say it is deterministic. But in general terms, we moved from a causal universe to a probable universe. And there's some very strange things when you do that. Something comes into the universe called novelty, something that has nothing to do with the prior moments of what the universe does. It could have been this, but it could have been that. And there's no reason whatsoever for why it was this. It's a complete mystery, novelty. Now, free will, if it's anything, has to be the manufacturing of novelty. You have to be able to choose otherwise. So you can go this way, that way. So quantum science started opening up some of these avenues to connect the two. Einstein's relativity did it, by the way, too. It sort of put the end to causation in, in certain aspects of the universe and said, there's no causation here, can't work. 
So causation's been pretty much out for a lot of reasons. But again, footnote, there are some deterministic causal theories of quantum physics. But to go back to your question, and this is really relevant to it, there's so little we know when it comes down to it about quantum physics or the universe. I mean, the famous, the famous quote from Richard Feynman, who's very, very high or highest physicist of the last 50 years, was, well, he has two, two fun quotes. One of them is, if you think you understand quantum physics, you don't understand quantum physics. And the other one is, I feel it's safe to say that nobody understands quantum physics. And when you think about it, what he really means by that, since quantum physics is our best model of how reality is behaving, what Feynman's saying, he's really saying, since quantum physics is our very best model of what of how the world behaves and what it is, he's really saying with these quotes, and he's a top physicist, we really don't understand how the world behaves. We can't explain quantum physics. It's, it's how it works is completely nutty. Nobody can explain it. And that really means we can't explain the world. So this connection is, is so, uh, between mind and body is so clouded in mystery. And what's the amazing thing, Ira, is determinists think they've solved this problem. Oh, yeah, the world is mechanical. The world is determined. Or, yeah, there's some randomness involved, but basically the world is determined. Well, the new archetype of science, I say new, it's been around for 100 years, right? A little over 100 years, says, no, the world isn't determined. And that's not how it works. And things come into the universe that we don't know how they get there. And we don't know how a wave turns into a particle, which is the center of quantum physics. How does a wave become a particle when you look at the wave? Boom, it becomes a particle. Nobody understands that, but that seems to be what happens. Well, that's a great way to leave it. We've just touched the tip of the iceberg. So for more of it, you're going to go to David's book. My guest has been David Lawrence, author of Are We Really Biochemical Robots? Sam Harris's Crusade Against Free Will, available on Amazon, and also his workbook and a new edition coming up very shortly as well. For everything about David Lawrence, go to biochemicalrobots.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram. David, thanks for being on the show. Thanks very much, Ira. It was a pleasure. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.